Welcome back to a Sin Student Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It reads, I, Paul, myself, entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I who am humble when face to face with you, but bold toward you when I am away. I beg of you that when I am present, I may not have to show boldness with such confidence as I count on showing against some of those who suspect us walking according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Look at what is before your eyes. If anyone is confident that he is in Christ, let him remind himself that just as he is Christ, so also are we. For even if I boast a little too much of our authority, which the Lord gave for building you up and not destroying you, I will not be ashamed. I do not want to appear to be frightening you with my letters. For they say his letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech of no account. Let such a person understand that what we say by letter when absent, we do when present. Not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are committing themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they're without understanding. But we will not boast beyond limits, but will boast only with regards to the area of influence God assigned to us to reach even to you. For we are not overextending ourselves as though we did not reach you. For we were the first to come all the way to you with the gospel of Christ. We do not boast beyond limit in the labors of others. But our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged, so that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you, without boasting of work already done in another's area of influence. Let the one who boasts boast in the Lord, for it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. So here, chapter 10, Chad, we see Paul really actually kind of takes a stand to defend his ministry and what's going on. Obviously, in the historical context of what's taking place, there's been people who are saying that, oh, he can do this when he's far away, but when he's here, he can't do it. And so rather than attacking these people, Paul displays a great perspective that we need to keep in mind as we face opposition. It's that we're not waging war against these people that we're seeing or the different things that are taking place. But this war is much bigger than what we might see. And so let's unpack that as we start focusing here on chapter 10. I think as you're looking at this and studying it, actually what I love about God's word is it's not from a horizontal human perspective, but we get God's perspective on what's going on. And oftentimes what this gives light to is it's a reminder that, you know what, it's just not you know, people, relationships, those type of things is actually, there's a greater, like you said, war going on. And the war has been going on since the beginning. You see that in Genesis 3 with the fall. You see that Satan intentionally deceiving Adam and Eve. You see that throughout the history of God's word and the continual history of our time is that there is this opposition, this opposing force against God's kingdom and against him. And so, that's what Paul's bringing us to light. And that's why he even says, for the weapons of our warfare are not of flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And I think that's what's important, is that as we walk in this world, that there are so many things that are espoused that actually go against God's word. And some of these things are pretty clear cut. 
Like we can go chapter and verse and say, yep, there's other ones that are more subtle. And I think when you think about what drives this opposing force is when we look at Satan, we look at what his kingdom, because Satan's a created being who has limits. And yet he's a ruler over a kingdom. And it's not that Satan can make us doing anything. We are all personally responsible for the actions we take, the choices we make. It's actually the heart that drives us to sin. And so we, we see that from scripture, but it's also reminding like he's powerful. There is a powerful force that's trying to oppose the gospel message, to oppose God's kingdom. What Satan often does is just like he did in the garden. He puts out subtle arguments that actually are going to keep us away from God. Because Something that Satan doesn't care about. He's not looking for a religion of Satan. (laughs) He doesn't look for worship himself. He's not looking that people would follow him because I think that's oftentimes how it's seen as like, oh, it's Satan followers. I'm like, no, Satan, what he's about is just whatever it takes to keep people away from God. That's ultimately his appeal to Adam and Eve is saying, hey, guess what? If you eat of this fruit, you don't have to live under God's authority anymore. You get to do what you want to do. And so guess what? When we talk about these lofty opinions, these strongholds, there are often ways to pull you into selfish living. And so that's why you hear things like, hey, you know what? If people don't make you feel good or if people don't accept you, stay away from them. Or, hey, you know what? If things are life are hard, go the easy route. Fine. There's easier ways to do these things. And Though God's way is hard, so just stay away from it. Here's an easier way of sin or pleasure or comfort. We have to be aware of those things. Let's put it that way. We have to be aware of those things are going to be fighting. And those things come up in our world subtly and blatantly. And if you don't know God's word and aren't ready to actually discern those things, but then actually to call those things out and in your own life not to follow those things, is that you will stray. You will find yourself caught up into areas of sin or vain philosophies or whatever else that's going to pull you away from God. And what you want to do is to remind yourself, no, I need to strive for a love for God and a love for others. And so when you look at things of this world or things that you might be hearing or what your friends are saying or what you're seeing on TV or even what your parents are saying, you have to be saying, I have to run this through the grid of Scripture. And that means you're going to have to do some hard work, again, to go scripture and also ask for others. And so those are the things I I think as we work through this passage, just we have to be aware of and be honest about and just know like it's going to be subtle. And so I don't know, Lee, if you have seen things like this in your personal life or other things creep into people that you know where it was was a subtle thing that somebody accepted that ultimately ballooned into something that that was bigger that ultimately pulled them away from God. So I don't know if you have any examples of that. Yeah, so one of just the uh, pictures that I see in this is, uh, you know, we've come off of a World Cup season. and Spain, the way in which they play, it's often been called death by a thousand passes. And so they try to subtly wear you down over and over and over again by just doing the little thing of passing the ball so precisely that they wear you down, you're chasing, you're doing all of these other things so that they can open up to score. I'm a big C.S. Lewis fan as well, and so I think screw tape letters when I think about this war that's waging. And as you read through that, if you're not familiar with it, you have basically a high-level demon speaking to a low-level demon about how they can continuously use the same types of schemes to trip Christians up. 
And so obviously C.S. Lewis writes, you know, basically World War II era-esque. And so he writes about these things, but in some way they are still very much efficient doing the same thing to us today. And so we're like, wait, how does that work? The world's so different. Well, the world is different, but the human heart is not. And so the human heart is utterly deceptive and weak in these things. And so he's able to do those types of things that he's been doing for centuries to try to pull us back away from God, to try to get us to even question those things. And as you walk through that book, he's not trying to make them do the most wicked things in the world. He's not telling them, go out and kill people, go out and do these big things, but he's just getting them to stray from the truth enough that they're going to be unfruitful or that they're going to be wrapped up in sin or that they're going to be in some way wanting to move away from God rather than living with God. And so that's a big part of what's happening here is as we wage this war, understanding that it's about the little things too. It's about these items. And so as our students listen, they might be saying, hey, I'm not doing the big things that are out there. I'm not living my life completely for myself. But the question is not, are you doing that? The question is, are you sure that you're not justifying other areas of your life and what you're doing? And so think about entertainment, for example. You might mean not doing the worst types of entertainment, not even going into entertainment that's even above PG-13 or whatever. But you find yourself trying to skirt around ways to try to get on there to say, oh, this is probably okay. When you start saying those types of things, you're starting to justify your actions Are you really actually taking that thought captive? Are you really actually taking advantage of that situation? Or are you trying to justify your actions and your behavior before yourself and then ultimately before others and before God to say, hey, this is okay. And uh, I know for me, that's definitely something that a lot of middle school and high school students are doing is saying, hey, I know this is not what I'm supposed to be doing, but I think this is okay. And so Any arena of your life, I feel like in high school and middle school, you're starting to say that about, well, I know the teacher said this, but, or I know my parents said this, but, or I know the coach said we're supposed to run there, but I can take this little shortcut, do these different things. I feel like that that's uh, an actual reality where you're seeing like, how am I responding to the truth? How am I working through this? How am I respecting authority? How am I working through those things? Those are all ways that we display to God that we're willing to follow him, that we're willing to cultivate a not self-centered, self-focused life, which he's going to then desire to use for the expansion of his kingdom. And so we talk here about this concept of like taking every thought captive to obey Christ. It's often given in like an apologetics thought of like how we take this and then turn it and spin it and give it back to where it came from as putting the gospel on display. And so, Chad, what do you think that might look like as we're being possibly inundated with these other worldviews that are coming? How do we take that, respond to it, and turn it back as a way to put the gospel on display? So one thing I remember when I was in high school is it became very popular, this movement of the WWJD, What Would Jesus Do movement. And I remember, like, that was a big thing. People would wear bracelets. It became kind of a trend, kind of a fad. But what's interesting is, like, when you're and what we're talking about today is, is that something that we have a clear understanding of? Because it takes work to understand those things. It takes work to actually study scripture and find those things and to 
understand what Jesus would think. Because I think oftentimes, like when you read the New Testament, learn about the Pharisees, learn about the Sadducees, learn about these religious leaders who would come to Jesus and try to trip Jesus. Because they thought like, oh yeah, if he is the Messiah, then he's going to answer one way or another. And all of a sudden he comes from a left field and they're like, they're just utterly amazed by his response. Yet it's not to follow him. It's like, oh man. We missed it. And eventually they run out and say, hey, we're, we're not going to bring anything else to him because he keeps answering in ways that are unexpected and answers that are right. And so why is that important? Is because I think when we're thinking about what things we're, like you said, inundated with, is that we're inundated with information externally. What are we actually starting to internalize? Things that we're actually starting to believe and think that's differently than Christ. Because when we think about taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, it's that we are on such alert, knowing that things are externally coming, is that we are discerning and making sure that, hey, we are measuring this with Scripture. Because before we're actually going to speak against it, before we're actually going to, and it says here, punish every disobedience, is what he's trying to do is reflect on like, hey, we need to confront those issues. We need to not to be uh, just adversarial and just to be angry or mean, but actually to say, hey, that is not the truth. That is not what God's word says. This is what it actually says. Is before we do that, means that we have to actually be taking those captive, but we also have to be internalizing the truth. Because I promise you, we are not people who don't have some type of belief system. And whether you are an unbeliever or a believer, there's some type of system that you're believing in. You either believe in a system where there is no God, and that's, you know, that unbelievers believe in, like, there is no God. Because there's a lot of evidence that said there's something bigger out there, and they're saying, nope, rejecting that. Or of a different religion. There's going to be internalizing truths from that. We're all eternalizing something. So for you, is are you into internalizing what is true um, from his word? And when you're doing that, then you're going to actually be able to exercise the discernment from these other arguments. But this is where you can stand unashamed is actually return what you know of Scripture to point people back to say, well, I hear you say this. But this is what God's word says. And ask questions about that to confront, to expose the holes and arguments through God's word. To talk about like, you know, somebody saying, oh, we're all good people. Actually, you're, you're not. <laughs> uh, we all aren't. But it's a we. It's not a you. It's a we that we're not. Because we are all unrighteousness before God. And so all those things are things that you're going to have to consider. And that's why I'd say is, that's why you need that regular rhythm of your spiritual disciplines. You need to have prayer. You need to be reading God's word. You need to be looking to resource. There's so many resources in our life through podcasts, through books, through booklets, through vlogs or videos. Like you can learn a lot about God's word like never before. But so much time we want to spend ourselves with entertainment. And really, sometimes we're into podcasts that actually are taking you away from the understanding of God's truth and are actually causing that thought to help you stray. And But you don't know it because you don't know God's word. You haven't internalized that enough in your life. And I'm not saying perfection, so I don't want to make sure it's, again, this progress, this growth. But you have to be aware that these things are very evident. And I'm not telling you they're just under like these worldly umbrellas. There's things under Christian umbrellas that people are espousing and talking about things that we should follow or 
obey or this is how we think that aren't like Christ. So you need to be aware of that and be studying the word so that you can actually discern these things now and as you continue to grow up in life. I don't know, Lee, like what, what are the things you think about when you think about taking that thought captive? Yeah, I like how you've really focused this back on saying, hey, it's not just the world, but even inside the church and maybe even inside maybe friends in the church or other things that are there that we need to really kind of question those things, not to be like adversarial or not to be there, but we're always called to be on our guard. And we have to understand that there are people in the church that are sinners saved by grace who are going to make mistakes and they might say or do other things that might move us towards something other than God. And we need to be able to watch that situation play out rightly by responding rightly. And hopefully what we see Paul doing here, correcting and bringing people back into right fellowship in unity with the gospel and unity with God. Because I think that's kind of maybe an untapped aspect of this verse a lot of times. A lot of times it's used in just the thought of, hey, here's how we deal with the world. But really, no, it's saying every thought. It doesn't say every worldly thought. It says every thought, everything that's given out there, every possible thing that we're doing, we're filtering through the lenses of Scripture. And I love how you've told us you can't do that if you're not in the Scriptures. You can't be able to say, hey, I understand what God's Word is there that's allowing you to live the right way if you don't understand God's Word. It's one of the reasons why we've challenged our students to be in the scriptures, to be reading God's word. And and whatever that looks like for them, reading, studying, growing, taking maybe what you did last year and trying to expand on that this year. Maybe it means getting through the whole Bible, or maybe it means even just getting through the New Testament for the first time. Whatever it means to make progress in your understanding of what God's word is saying, because it's going to be crucial to you walking in the truth and crucial to you withstanding the attacks of Satan, like we see mentioned here in 2 Corinthians 10. So as you look at this passage, there's many things we haven't touched on. Maybe there's something else that you're looking into. Hey, look into it because it's going to help you to understand the totality of God's truth. We don't have enough time to walk through all of these things, but you now have the ability to say, this is important to me. This is valuable to me. I will now take some of my time, bring the community of believers or the tools or the other people that are around that can help me to grow in this so that I'm prepared for whatever God places in front of me. Know as we walk in truth today, we are loved. You are